Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. It's a beautiful day in Starkville. It's a little chilly. It's about that time of year. It's November. It's November, which means we've got uh, got a couple of home games this month, and uh, we've got a trip to Georgia. We go to Ole Miss. It's crazy. We were so eager to get into the season, and uh, it hadn't gone quite the way that we planned, but we're already at the halfway mark. Uh, I, like many of you, thought we'd be losing ball games 56-42, something like that. Didn't expect the defense to be very strong because we were so young. And that's not, that's not to be disrespectful to the, to the coaching staff or the players. We just didn't have a lot of experience. And uh, some of that inexperience was uh, 
was kind of um, exploited a little bit this past weekend against a very talented Alabama team that uh, is one of the best coached and most well-equipped teams in all the country. So we're going to break some of that down today. Uh, listen, if you came for a pity party, you came to the wrong place. I mean, I'm, I'm, listen, things are not good. Okay, I'm not going to sit here and suggest to you that they are because they're not. They're not good. We're not playing well on both sides of the football. Defensively, I think the effort is there. I think the execution is there for the most part. But there are some times when uh, things don't work out quite the way that we hope. But let's be honest with ourselves. We all expected to go to Tuscaloosa. We all expected to lose the ball game handily. We all expected to come back home feeling bad. All of those things worked out. We checked every one of those boxes. And many of us, I think, expected us, I think probably probably the pessimistic Mississippi State fan thought, you know what, we'd probably be two and three at the half point, at the halfway mark, maybe three and two. Then after we beat LSU, we began to revise those expectations. We started thinking, you know what, we'll, we'll beat Arkansas because we always beat Arkansas. You know, Kentucky's a bit of a toss-up, but they're kind of one-dimensional on offense. Maybe we can go up there and get that one because how will they be able to defend us? We had A&M coming in here, and A&M was playing Florida and Alabama back-to-back weeks. We kind of thought maybe we'd get them in a bit of a trap game. Didn't happen. But we all expected to lose to Alabama. So, it were, you know, probably at best case, most people expected us to be 3-2 and two at this point. We would trade just about anything to be at 3-2 and two at this point. We're 1-4. and four. But we got to find a way to make some things up. And I think, again, I don't think most people anticipated a winning season this year. And, again, I'm not trying to make light of it. Uh, we've got some problems. We've got to figure those things out. So we're going to talk about some of that today, break down the game, break down the weekend that was, and kind of look ahead. The first thing that I'll tell you guys right out of the shoot, we do not have an update on K.J. Costello or Jaquavius Marks. While there has been no official designation of their condition, and I don't think Mike Leach will offer one later today, I think it's pretty apparent both of those guys are in concussion protocol. That leaves their availability for the weekend somewhat in question. We don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, that's going to be the question. But I think, by and large, we all agree right now, Will Rogers will actually be your starter on Saturday. Some wonder why he didn't start this past Saturday. I think it was probably the right move to start KJ. But uh, it just wasn't effective. wasn't effective. And now that he's in concussion protocol, I think in many ways that kind of gives uh, me and Mike Leach the cover, not necessarily that he needs it, but it probably gives him the impetus to go ahead and make the change Got a very winnable game this weekend. Stayed a 16-point favorite at home against Vanderbilt, a winless Vanderbilt team. Got to find a way to win that game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Got to find a way to win that ball game. So that's what we'll work on, and we'll talk about that throughout the week this week. But um, let me remind you guys, Bulldog Burger Company, great sponsors, great people, part of a great family of restaurants right here in the Golden Triangle that have served this area for many, many years. Go by, check them out. Try your own favorites. You know, if you just want, hey, Steve, listen, I'm not like you. I'm pretty straight-laced. I just enjoy Mississippi State. I don't let my hair get down over my ears. You know, if I start getting thing on the back, I go get a cut. I'll listen to Top 40. That's cool, too. That's cool. Go get the Bulldog Burger, okay? You don't have to have anything wild and crazy like me. Go get the Bulldog Burger. You're going to be happy with it. You can't go wrong with the Bulldog Burger. But if you want to live maybe outside the box a little bit, let me encourage you to have the Pimentology, add bacon, have the Smokehouse, try the new Jalapeno Poppers Burger. They're all great. And maybe you're not in the mood for a burger. 
Maybe you want to, maybe you're a little more health conscious. You say, you know what, Steve? I'm going to bring the kids and let them get whatever they want. They can have the onion rings. They can have the, you know, the, the chocolate shake to go, but I'm going to have a salad. I've said it on the show many times. I've never completed a salad from Bulldog Burger Company. It's not because it's not tasty. It's because the portions are so generous. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Starkville and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, a place for people in Starkville and Tupelo. Go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's get into the ball game. There were not a lot of good things that you can you come back from and say, well, you know, at least we had this. There are a couple of observations that I want to share. I did think the offensive line played better. Now, we had two weeks to kind of work on it. There were some musical chairs out there. Cole Smith goes back to center. Talked about that last week. We really kind of struggled to call the protections with James Jackson at center. It's not to say that he won't pick it up at some point, but uh, – we are better at recognizing blitzes and adjusting our protections with Cole Smith in the ballgame. Now, he does get physically overwhelmed at times. Some people forget. I mean, this is really his first action. But at least he'll get out there and fight you. Cameron Jones got his first college start at right tackle, and it didn't take long for our message board warriors to jump on him. Listen, that's a tough assignment for a veteran right tackle, having to face those Alabama pass rushers. But again, despite the fact that we had some, uh, you know, some – some flashes there, but we weren't exactly what we wanted to be. We competed. I thought we did a much better job uh, at the, on the offensive line. We were able to had some running room there as well, and uh, we were Rodgers back there. You know, at times he tucked it and ran. But, I, again, I won't say I give them a passing grade, but I will say that I thought the offensive line was much better than they were against Kentucky and certainly against Texas A&M. We're figuring some things out. It's all a work in progress. We didn't get the benefit of spring practice, as you guys are well aware by now. But I thought that was one of the things I took away and said, you know what? If this group here can continue to gel down the stretch, we can win football games. I thought KJ Costello was very conservative, and I really think that he is somewhat shell-shocked at this point. I think he's always going to take the easier, softer way. I don't think he has any faith in his offensive line. I think he's doing the best that he can. It's just not working. It's just not working. It's not always somebody's fault. Sometimes things just don't work work out, and that appears to be the case here. And Mississippi State fans are thinking, you know what, we've had back-to-back graduate transfer quarterbacks. Maybe we should abandon that, that philosophy. I don't know if that's the case or not, but we have certainly had some incredibly bad luck when it's come to grad transfer quarterbacks. So let's go ahead and break down the game here. We'll take a look here and kind of see where things went wrong. And our one-game winning streak when we win the toss was snapped. We finally won the toss. I joked about that before that we were undefeated when winning the toss and winless when we uh, <laughs> we lost the toss. Uh, didn't work out. We did win the toss deferred. And uh, in a game like that, you're thinking, okay, I kind of want to control the second half. But uh, it really didn't matter. So let's go to this first drive here. Alabama came out, looked like they were intent on trying to run the football against us, get the running game established. Eight yards over right guard for Najee Harris, who was great. Complete the tight end for us all. And a bit of a throwback there. They kind of rolled left, brought the action left, threw back right as he came across on a crossing route. Very well-designed play there. They get 14, and then there's a pass interference on Colin Duncan. Before we get too caught up in all that stuff, yeah, there were some calls that went against us. It didn't determine the game, though. Okay, I'll sit here and tell you, we can pick it apart. Alabama got called for holding, I think, three times, which is probably a school record. But at the end of the day, the fact that we had some calls go against us, and there were. I don't care what anybody says. I'd love to see the, uh, you know, the video. That, see, here's what they do. So, like, Mike Leach and staff will send, like, 
a uh, tape, you know, a file, a video of the calls they have questions about, and then the league office will send them back a video where, you know, they talk over it and say, hey, coach, here's what happened here, and here's why we called it this way. Probably should have called it this way, or we believe the call was correct here, our official was right. So they get that video back. I would love to see that this week. I really would. And again, Alabama was favored by, what, five touchdowns they covered. And so it's not like that uh, it impacted the ball game in that respect. But, yeah, I mean, there's some calls. There were some bogus calls in the game. I thought some of these PIs were a little bit silly. I thought they missed a couple targeting calls, too, against Alabama. So we get – they pick on our safeties. And, listen, that's, that's good football. You know, when you can get Devontae Smith – John Mechie matched up on walk-on safeties or second-team safeties. You're smart to do that. That's just good football. Uh, Harris goes over over uh, the right tackle for 13 down to the 33. Then there, there's the uh, incomplete pass that Devontae Smith P.I. called again on Colin Duncan. Colin doing the best he can there. Got picked on early. Then there complete to Smith for a, a loss of six. We blow that up, Marcus Murphy. And I read something on the message board the other day. Somebody said, Marcus Murphy has not been a good player for us. Uh, that's incredibly wrong. Marcus Murphy is arguably our best defensive back. Marcus Murphy is a future NFL player. To suggest that he has not lived up to his potential is completely wrong, in my estimation. He missed some games last year uh, through his own fault. But to suggest Marcus Murphy hadn't produced when he's been on the field, that's just been wrong. He was nicked up earlier this year, played through it as best he could. Now he's getting healthy. He's out there making plays. They're complete again to Mechie for seven, and then they're incomplete to Smith. And let's be honest, Devontae Smith probably catches that ball. It should have been a touchdown pass. Bounces off his hands and out of bounds. They kick a field goal. It's a 3 nothing ball game. So you feel like, you know what? We held him to a field goal, but we got a little lucky there. We did. We got a little lucky. They executed. They got their guy open in a matchup that was advantageous. The quarterback delivered the football. Smith just didn't complete the catch. As I sat in the press box, I was thinking, okay, 3 nothing. We'll make some adjustments. We'll slow them down a little bit. But, man, if we can go down and score anyway whatsoever, we get a touchdown, get our guys some lead, get some confidence, believing in one another. Who knows, man? Because it's 3 nothing. If we tie it up, it's 3-3. But you think, okay, we survived their first shot, kind of got a glancing blow. Let's go put something together. We're incomplete to Wally. Marks goes over left side for four, and then we're incomplete to Wally again. And Jaden Wally is going to be a big player for us. But it, honestly, the Alabama defensive backs had a better chance of catching those two passes. That, that's how it felt. Every time that KJ dropped back to pass, I almost winced. I mean, it just really felt like the game was moving too fast for him. So it's three and out, three yards, pardon me, four yards on three plays. We take a minute off the clock. They go right back to the ground. Now they're running left side. Nine yards for Najee Harris. They go over left guard for no gain, up the middle again for two, and there's a fumble. Again, this is a great play by Najee Harris. Mac Jones fumbles the snap. And you think, okay, let's get on there and get him down, and it's, it's three and out. But Harris, the stud, picks it up, goes off left side, gets the first down. Then they're incomplete to Mechie. Harris runs over uh, for a yard, and then they're incomplete. So we get a stop there, not a three and out. Could have, could have easily been a three and out, but uh, Najee Harris makes a heads-up play. But our defense gets a stop. It's 12 yards on the possession for them. They're punting. And, again, it's still a 3 nothing ball game. 
We made some adjustments. We kind of slowed them down a little bit. We get the ball back into the hands of our offense. We go to Brad Compass for two. Then we're complete to Marks for four. Brings up a big third down, and we're incomplete to Malik Heath. Malik Malachi Moore, who was a stud, made the play there. And Tucker Day, a 35-yard punt. He was not right. Ultimately, was replaced. But, again, that's three and out. Again, just six yards. So two, two offensive possessions, six offensive snaps, ten yards. And it was just kind of that half. Alabama gets the ball back. Harris over left side for 10. Harris over left for 2. Complete to Devonte, incomplete to Devontae Smith. And back to Najee Harris for 10. And this is after a holding call, too. So they were kind of behind the chains on first and 18. Second and 18, you're thinking, okay, let's get out of here. Let's find a way to get, some, get a couple of stops here and get off the field again. Then they hit Devontae Smith on that third and eight for 14. And then they hit Devontae for 35. And that's the first time they really exposed London Kraft. You know, and like some people said on Twitter too, and I'm not being critical of London Kraft, he's given what he can. But that's just good offensive play calling by Alabama. You get your receiver, the best guy you have, matched up against a walk-on safety. That's a matchup you're going to take 99 times out of 100. The one time you don't, it's because you forget it. You miss it. They score, it's 10 nothing. Kind of felt like, you know what, they're kind of been able to do what they want to do. But again, it's only 10 nothing. Five minutes to go in the first quarter, and you think if we can get anything here and kind of keep it a one-score game, the defense will begin to make some plays. And we did make some adjustments in the secondary. We, we did. Played a lot of people in the secondary. Then Costello again checks it down for three. Marks runs off uh, left side for one. Then we're incomplete to Malik Heath again. There's an eligible uh, player downfield that's declined. So, again, here we go, three and out, four yards. So now three offensive possessions, 14 yards. You kind of know where I'm going with this, right? Alabama gets the ball out there on 43. You know, we, we special teams just wasn't what we wanted to be. Tucker Day, 37 yards. Just, he just wasn't right. Matt complete to Najee Harris for one. We make a good play there. Martin Emerson kind of blows that up. And they screen it to Smith for three. And, again, here it is a chance to get off the field third and six, right? Third and six. And, again, Devontae Smith paired up with London Kraft. We bring Emmanuel Forbes on a bit of a, of a corner blitz there, and uh, Kraft couldn't get over. And once Smith gets behind somebody, you don't have enough recovery speed to get back into the play. And it really felt like that was a knockout punt, 17-0 already in the first quarter. All right, so we get the ball back. Two minutes to go in the quarter. Costello complete to Dylan Johnson for seven. Maybe we can get a first down here. Then we're incomplete to Peyton, who got hit pretty good there. And then we're complete incomplete to Mitchell, who also got hit pretty good. And then Tucker Day punts again, 33 yards. And so we're, you know, four offensive possessions. We get seven yards on this one. Still no first downs. And we're, and we're punting it back, down 17, down three scores in the first quarter. Alabama goes right back to work. Uh, Matt completes to Devontae Smith, 31 yards. Devontae Smith, like he was about to set an SEC record. And then they uh, complete to Metcha, who is probably an unheralded player there. He is, uh, he's kind of coming into his own. Robinson, who I like a lot, rushes for no gain there. And so it's a third and goal at the one. <laughs> it's just insane. It seemed like that, that we just couldn't do a whole lot to stop him. Offense wasn't helping. It's like as soon as the defense can get out there and get off the field and you know, get a drink of Gatorade, they got to put their helmet on and come right back out there because we just could not generate any offense. And a lot of that was Alabama, but a lot of it was us. Okay, it wasn't just because we're playing Alabama. Some of that was our own ineptitude. Some of it was bad quarterback play. Some of it's bad receiver play. And so they kick a field goal there. And listen, I thought, again, the defense kind of held up there. Could have easily 
given up a score there. But they're out there battling. It's a 20 nothing ball game. So we get the ball back. Very first play, K.J. sacked for four, incomplete. And then K.J. gets loose and, uh, and runs. And this is the play that ended his night. And uh, nothing malicious about the play. And I didn't see a lot of state people complaining, but I saw, I saw a few people kind of cheering the injury. And I just want to tell you right now, if you're somebody that cheers an injury of a Mississippi State player or really anybody, but certainly one of your own, you're a disgusting person. Absolutely disgusting person. K.J. Costello is doing the best that he can. It just didn't work out. And to and listen, there wasn't a lot of it. I saw some state people kind of getting on some others and saw some tweets and Facebook posts deleted. But uh, if you're cheering a Bulldog being injured, man, you need to reevaluate what you're doing with life. Uh, the video that they showed us, you know, we get the raw feed and the ESPN feed in the press box at some locations. And, and the video they showed of KJ, very glassy-eyed. It, look, it looked really bad. It did. Uh, he leaves, of course. Uh, that's the end. And, again, it's a three and out. And, we, and then, lo and behold, Alabama's called for another holding call on the punt return. Brings and negates a really good return by Slade Bolden. And so, you know, they get the ball back. It's a 20 nothing game. And you're thinking, okay, we got to do something big here. Got to get a stop and get off the field. We do. Najee Harris at the middle for eight. Then Harris goes off right guard for a loss of one. Aaron Odom with a stop there. Mac Jones completed Devontae Smith for eight out to midfield. Najee Harris over left side for eight and all for right guard for four. And then on third and three, they go for it. Really thought we played hard here. Forbes comes up. He and Errol Thompson makes the stop. Forces a fourth and one, and we get a stop. Kobe Jones knifes in there, makes a big play, and we get out the field. And, again, it's 20 to nothing, but the defense is still out there battling, trying to find a way to keep this team, this, this game close. Well, Rodgers in the ball game now, takes over on our, I guess, our first possession there in the second, second quarter. And then we go off marks, off right tackle for 20 yards, down to the Alabama 39. So it's our first first down of the game. We got more. And, again, this is not comparing K.J. to Will, though it will sound like it. As soon as Will gets in the ball game, offense starts making some plays here. And so we, we did more on one play with Will than we had the previous four possessions. Then Rodgers incomplete to Malik Keith and incomplete to Marks for no gain. And then we go on third and ten, and uh, where Rodgers gets sacked from behind. And listen, it's a great – listen, it's not like it is in high school where you get flushed out right and you can kind of evade the pass rush just by kind of waggling out there and trying to buy some time, especially against teams like Alabama. Uh, those guys, once they get a quarterback in sight, they have good closing speed. They kind of close it out there. Reed Bowman comes in and replaces Tucker Day, 38-yard punt down to the Alabama 12. Okay, so Alabama comes right back out, and this was uh, – again, this, this really removed all doubt. I mean, it's one of those things I don't think most people expected State to hold them scoreless in the rest of the ball game and score three touchdowns to win. This, to me, kind of removed all doubt here. They bring in Trey Sanders. Another, uh, It's just crazy how talented Alabama is. Uh, in the backfield. It really, it really is. Sanders uh, runs for six, comes back, runs left for four, incomplete to Devontae Smith, uh, Manuel Forbes on the coverage there. Uh, complete on a screen pass to Slade Bolden. They're trying to get him involved in an underneath passing game because he is so shifty. That's another reason he's returning punts for them in place of Joe and Waddle. Uh, Matt Cross incomplete to Devontae Smith for 10 and a first down on third and six. That was the, that was the, that's where I thought Alabama really separated is what they could do, not just with the big plays, but on third and manageable being able to convert there. Complete to Slade Bolden for 13. Sanders over three. 
Sanders again for nine, rushing right side. They come bring in Harris. He goes back on the right side for 12. They found something on that right side because they used it over and over and over again. One, two, three, four, five, six consecutive running plays off the right side. And they, those go for th- three, nine, 12, 14, two, five plays, excuse me. And then complete to Devontae Smith for a touchdown. It's a 27-0 ball game. And at this point, we're just thinking – Let's find a way to score. Let's try to find a way to get something going with Will Rogers. Let's try to get some confidence and kind of build some continuity as we look into the next week. That was the hope. Uh, Rogers comes in incomplete to Dylan Johnson. Had a man in his face. Rogers uh, complete to Dylan Johnson for a loss of one and then back to Johnson for five. I like Dylan Johnson, and I, I'm eager to see what we can do. We can get him in space. Alabama calls timeout, and then Reed Bowman gets a 54-yard punt. Really nice job there. And then uh, Alabama basically runs out the clock. So at the half, it's a 27 nothing ball game. It didn't feel that bad, but we knew the game was over. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, we had made enough stops to be, somewhat be competitive. And, uh, you know, our offensive line was battling. They're battling. We just weren't able to get anything going. And, uh, you know, with Will, you get in there and you begin to think, okay, maybe maybe we can get some semblance of an offense here in the second half and find something to build upon. And let's remember we had the, you know, we had the ball coming out of the half, and so I'm just thinking, okay, let's see, get Will out of here, give him something to work with, and let's just kind of see what we can do. So uh, come out there, Peyton brings it out, uh, out to 22. I guess, I guess he filtered it to three and then out to 25. And then, then Peyton – on the sidelines, gets a flag for unsportsmanlike conduct. He earned the penalty, okay? His reaction on the sidelines and all that stuff, he, he earned the penalty. So right out of the gate, we got our freshman quarterback backed up. You know, it's very simple. We just run the ball out of bounds, hand the ball to the referee, and um, it's a 25. But instead, we're half a distance to the goal because we couldn't control our temper. It's a senior. It's a senior. All right, so we go out there. We try to establish the run. Uh, we run marks on the inside for five. We come back to the right for ten. It's first down. Then we go over left side for a loss of four, and we're complete to Peyton for eight. So now it's a manageable third and six, and then we're incomplete to Austin Williams. Um, you know, Rodgers had people in his face. And uh, so we end up having a punt there, Reed Bowman, 35-yard punt down to the 33. Five plays, 19 yards of offensive possession here. Alabama comes back out, and defensively, I thought we did a good job here, and it kind of helped the fact that uh, Alabama had a self-inflicted uh, issue on this one. Mac Jones complete to John Mechie uh, on a screen, and they get called for holding on Devontae Smith. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't conference about that and decide, are you sure? First and 18, then they, immediately they run over right guard for 12 yards, so automatically it's a second, medium, second, and six. Screen pass to Slade Bolden for three, brings up – a third and three, and then Kobe Jones. Kobe Jones does what SEC quality defensive ends do. Once he cleared contained there, he tracked Mac Jones down in the backfield and he sacked him for a huge loss. So Alabama loses three play three yards on uh, on the uh, possession, which ultimately was a three and out, and we get the ball back. And you think, okay, we've got a chance here. We're at thirty-five. So we come back and we're complete to Mitchell for 10. Took some pretty big leg hangs on there. Then we're incomplete uh, again on first and 10. That was one that really felt like we just kind of threw it away. Looks like maybe some miscommunication out there. 
Then we're complete to Jaden Wally for nine yards, brings up a third and one. We got absolutely destroyed on this play. You know, again, you can call it play calling or whatever, but here it is, third and one, and and this is kind of what we do. It's one of those things that I I think about sometimes as fans. We always say, oh, you got to run the football, got to run the football. Then we do. We look a little predictable on the play. And uh, Marks gets blown up for a loss of four yards. Not his fault. There was nothing he could do. I mean, it was the play was over with as soon as the ball was snapped. I mean, it's nothing, there's nothing Jaquavius could do there. So Bowman again for 38, down to the uh, Alabama 12. And again, Bulldog defense, despite the fact that they hadn't had a whole lot of uh, help from the offense, still fighting hard here. Harris over left tackle for two. Then all of a sudden, what do you know? It's a false start on, on Alabama. And then they're incomplete to Devontae Smith. Mac Jones, middle complete to Najee Harris. And then Crumberty makes a play, but a little bit banged up there. But we get off the field. It's third and 13. We make a play. We get off a three and out. Three and out. Get a chance to get the ball back. And here's where we start kind of figuring some things out offensively. I think we start looking at this in hindsight and saying, okay, maybe this is what Will can do. You know, when we give him a full week of practice with the ones, which is what I expect to happen this week. We go down to Wally for one, and we're incomplete. Also tried to get to Wally there, but there is an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Dylan Moses. Incredible player, Dylan Moses. Gives us the first and ten, and then we're complete to Wally, incomplete to Wally. Then we run a draw play to Dylan Johnson. We get a yard. Now it's third and nine. And this is where Will Rogers, to me, is a much different player than K.J. Costello. Third and nine, the middle of the field is open, and the pass rush kind of gets there. He gets flushed. So Will tucks it and goes and runs for 11, picks up the first down. Inside, uh, right, we're at the Alabama 40, and you think, okay, now we're going. And listen, not to be critical of K.J., K.J. doesn't make that play. It's just not in his skill set. You know, K.J.'s become been beaten up a little bit by the game of college football. I just don't think he makes that play. I think maybe he gets five or six yards and then we're we're punting or we're going for it on fourth down. Uh, So, again, we're inside the 40 there at the Alabama 30 and you're thinking, okay, we got a chance to get some points on the board. We're complete to marks for eight. Now it's a manageable second and two. We're incomplete to Malik Heath, quarterback hurry. And uh, this is is the play here where Malik Heath was uh, hit in the head where the Alabama defender targeted him. And the, the Alabama officials did not – they reviewed the play to see if he made the catch. Initially, I thought, no, it's not a catch. Then when they slowed it down, he's two hands on the ball. He has a step in bounds and didn't go to the ground with the football. And there's so much in that in the, in the pro football vernacular these days. A lot of it bleeds over to the college game. I have seen that called a catch, and I have seen it not called a catch. So we kind of need some clarity, and I'm eager to see what the league told uh, Mississippi State privately. But great throw, great route. Just couldn't complete it. And we could argue and say, well, you know what? Should have been targeting. And it should have been. It would not have mattered in the grand scheme of the game. But you'd like to feel like that you're getting, um, you know, you're getting uh, equitable protection from the officials in that situation. We won't talk about player safety. And you've got a guy like Malik Heath at full extension coming down, catching a ball over the shoulder there in a vulnerable position, tucks it, gets ready to run, and gets – Helmet-to-helmet there, no call. And, again, I'm not whining about it because it's the reality of the ball game. The game was over. The game was over. I would still like to see the rules enforced. So, now it's third and two. We rush uh, Marks over left tackle for one. And, um, you know, it felt like we were kind of good to go here. And uh, we go for it on fourth and one. 
we run a, design a pretty good play there. We flip it out there to uh, Jaquavius Marks, who lined up in the backfield, and I, th- I really thought this is kind of a byproduct of the fact that we went for it on third and short before. They were probably you know, looking and expecting us to do the same thing. We kind of out-schemed them there. We flip it out there. Marks 12 y- yards inside the Alabama 10 makes it first and goal. And then Will Rogers does a touchdown pass to Osiris Mitchell, but Dylan Moses rips it away for an interception. I think that's four times this year that we have had sheer touchdown passes either go off the hands of Bulldog receivers or be ripped out of Bulldog arms. And I asked Mike Leach about it in the postgame. He thinks we probably lead the nation with that. It's a crazy, crazy situation. But, again, we didn't complete the drive. We didn't get points on the board. But there's young Will Rogers coming in, 10 plays, 49 yards. And, uh, listen, yeah, made some plays. Made some plays, can move the chains on third down with his feet and then stay within himself, made a great pass out to Marks on fourth and one that uh, set up a first and goal. And that's what we're celebrating today, I guess. We got within the red zone. Uh, Alabama takes over at the one-yard line after uh, Dylan Moses elects to run it out and got absolutely blasted by Jaquavius Marks. And that, that kid's got some competitiveness about him. I really like him a lot. Harris goes over right side for two. Makes it uh, – and there's a holding call on them. Makes it first and nine. And that, that to me, that's a flaw in the rules too. You know, it's like I, I get it, but how do you gain yards on an offensive penalty? You know, I mean, it's just it, – it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, it, I mean, it, well, you know, it's down the field. O- okay, but you're kind of bailing them out. Mac Jones incomplete to, uh, complete to Devontae Smith for 34 yards. I remember this. It's a great play by Smith and uh, just kind of – him beating Emmanuel Forbes one-on-one. Then they go over right side, 14 yards to Najee Harris. Complete to Najee again for Mac Jones for four. Now they're across the 50. Robinson runs up the middle for five, and then Harris again runs for, for three. Down to the 38, first down, and we go to the fourth quarter. It just, again, the game was over, but I did feel like, you know, we had some fight in us. You know, we, we didn't just lay down. We got tired a little bit, but I didn't think we quit. And uh, that's one of the things that I'll say that I think is a little different about some teams that we've had over the years is that we didn't feel sorry for ourselves. We got out there and we kept fighting. And for some of those guys that um, looking for a professional football future, this kind of thing show up in the film. All right, fourth quarter, Harris runs over right tackle for two. They're complete to Najee for 11. Like how Alabama uses Najee Harris, he is involved in every facet of the offense. Mac Jones incomplete to Forrestal, pass interference against Marcus Murphy. I don't even recall the play, but there were a couple of PIs there that, uh, you know, were somewhat questionable. And, again, not, not going back and watching them, I, I can't necessarily say this is one of them. But Mac Jones complete to Devontae Smith for 10 for touchdown. And at this point, it's 34 nothing, and uh, you just kind of felt like, you know what, let's just get out of here and hope nobody gets seriously injured. You know, we've already had uh, lost KJ to an apparent concussion. So let's just try to get on out of here. Get some experience and get out of here. Uh, Rodgers incomplete to Jaden Wiley, and then we're complete to Dylan Johnson for two, and then incomplete to Malik Keith. So it's a three and out there. One of the first for Will Rodgers. Alabama gets the ball back, and here's the deal. Defensively, again, we're playing. We're competing. If we can just be average on offense, we're going to win some ball games down the stretch. But that's the big chore is getting up to at least an average offensive production level. 
Trey Sanders over left tackle for nine. Then he goes up the middle for two. Bryce Young screen pass to T. Jones Bell. Aaron Brule all in his face. Sanders rushes it for one yard over the left side. And then incomplete pass to, to Robinson Jr. Drop pass there. And then we punt. They punt, excuse me. So, again, you know, they, they've kind of emptied the benches out here. But this time, this is developmental time for us. We're playing basically a scrimmage game against, uh, you know, an opponent with bad intentions. You know, it's not a scrimmage game against your buddies. If you understand what I'm saying. You know, the, the, this is Alabama, still Alabama. Even the, the fact that Alabama was getting ready to substitute, you know, this is good experience for us. To do it against somebody that doesn't know us really well, but at the same time, too, somebody that's trying to make plays. I mean, those young guys are trying to move up a depth chart. They're trying to impress Nick Saban. So we come out, we actually put a pretty good drive together here. So Rodgers is complete to Jaquavius Marks for six. We're out to the 20. Complete to Mitchell for seven. Gives us a first down. We're complete to Javante Payton for eight. Now all of a sudden, why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. 
They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We're on a little bit. Then we get a false start penalty, backs us up. We run a draw play to Marks for a loss of one. Then we hit Austin Williams on a nice route up the seam for 19 yards to move the chains. Out near out to midfield, then we're complete to Marks for four, complete to Austin Williams for six, and that's good enough for another Bulldog first down. We're Rodgers screen pass complete to Austin Williams for five. We, we like to run that play, and they call us for illegal block in the back on cross. It was, but you know what? Devontae Smith did the same thing earlier. They flagged him and then picked it up. Again, I just like the rules to be enforced uniformly. It would not have mattered in the ballgame, but it's very frustrating. It's very, very frustrating for those of us to kind of watch that. Then we, again, the next thing you know, it's a penalty on us for false start. And then kind of a comedy of errors here. Uh, Will Rogers checks it down to Marks. And to give, you know, Alabama's Tim Smith credit, he really battled there. They ruled it a fumble and then reviewed it. I think technically it's an interception because the ball never hit the ground. Uh, but either way, it was just an unfortunate situation there. We're beginning to make some plays and do some things. And, it, again, something kind of snake bit us there. And then Marks slams to the ground. Uh, and, and that's him battling Tim Smith for the football. So he wasn't able to get a hand down or arm down to protect himself. And he hit head first. Appeared to be an apparent concussion. Certainly hope that he's well. he got a bright future. I really like Jaquavius Marks. I like how competitive he is. Well, let's not forget it's a 34 nothing ball game. It's a 34 nothing ball game. These guys are out there fighting to make plays. Uh, you know, for your team. And again, I'm eager to see what Will Rogers can do with a full week of practice with the ones and then being able to start the game and not come in when the game is already decided. Put him in the game, let him play. All right, so Alabama rewards us with a uh, false start, backs up to the 49. Sanders rushes for 25. And uh, this is really, you know, kind of his game. You know, he's a guy that he gets the edge. He really makes you – Makes you pay for it. He runs it in the middle and kicks it outside again for 21. It's 46 yards on back-to-back carries. They go right back to him. And um, this is, again, another opportunity where I look at our defense and I say, you know what, if these guys just give up an easy touchdown here, I couldn't blame them. I mean, I just I couldn't blame them. They've been out there all day. But that's not what happened. Zach Arnett and his group, despite the fact that this game was already decided, continued to battle. First and goal, two-yard gain, down to the one. Sanders runs again. We blow it up. They gave him no gain, and that was a favorable spot because I thought Errol Thompson really blitzed in there and did a great job. Then they try to run off right side. Trey Sanders lost of two yards. They come back, try to do it again. And uh, on fourth and goal, they go for it, and we blow it up. Tyrus Sweep picks up the fumble and returns it. And, of course, we get an unsportsmanlike conduct that gives us half the distance. And, again, you know, we're, we're trying to be a disciplined program. We're trying to do things to instill discipline and, and encourage our players not to do things that hurt the team. And that's the second one of those unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Those are the things that kind of, you know, we, we've had a chance, to, again, to open up the second half out at 25. We can commit a, you know, dumb front rolls in. We do something stupid. We get backed up. Same thing here. The game is over. But you know what? What do we do? We get a big play there. We get a momentum-changing play and kind of give our defense some confidence, and then, and then we do something stupid. We do something dumb. So now we've got our freshman quarterback backed up inside the 10-yard line again. 
would come out, we'd throw a nice pass to Witherspoon, who I thought did a nice job in relief of Marks. I really did. I thought he got out there and played well. And listen, and if Marks is, is not quite 100%, I think that with Witherspoon and Johnson, you got a chance to get out there and do some things. We're complete to Witherspoon for 13. And, and listen, he delivered the blow on this. That's the thing that I remember. Witherspoon's out there kind of dropping some heat too. And then Will Rogers throws to pick six to Patrick Sartan. Uh, 25-yard touchdown, and you know you're thinking, okay, if we can get to the ball game without you know throwing a pick, we've done great. We we couldn't. So we get the ball back. Now it's 41 nothing, and again, here we go. And I understand the game is over. I understand it's mop-up time. We're trying to find anything to give this offensive team some some confidence. Well, Rodgers comes out. It's complete to Malik Heath for two. Go back to Austin Williams for seven. Uh, no gain on third and one. We decide uh, that we're going to go for it, and then uh, they jump off sides. Great job by our young quarterback, kind of uh, with the nuance there, kind of influencing that. We complete to Jaden Wally for eight. We go back to Malik Heath. Brandon Turnage nearly picks it there. Then we go back to complete to Witherspoon for one, go for it again on fourth down. We give it to Witherspoon, converts, gets first down. Incomplete to Mitchell, who again, he got blasted on the play. And then the last play of the game, we're complete to Witherspoon for seven. And so – you can say, well, you know what? It's hard to feel good about any of that. And that's true. It's true. I mean, there's not a lot to feel good about about that. But again, the way that I look at this past week, I think, you know what? We have to take the steps to get us ready to beat Vanderbilt. And so we get out of this ball game relatively unscathed. I mean, again, you got a couple of, you know, guys in the protocol. One of those guys you'd expect to play this week. But I don't think there's any question right now you've got to go with Will Rogers. Let's look at the numbers here before we get out of here and before we move on. When I look at this Will Rogers thing, and I begin to think about, okay, this is a young guy, hadn't had a lot of experience. We put him out there and had him throw the football 37 times. He threw two interceptions. One of them was basically a fumble. We talked about Jaquavius Marks had it and the ball got tripped away, so that's really credited as, as the interception there. That's not on Will Rogers. The interception by Dylan Moses where he rips the ball away from Osiris Mitchell in the end zone, that's not on Will Rogers. They go on his stat line, but he delivered the football on time and on target. He was sacked one time. That's early in the ballgame. 24-37, 147 yards. You'd like to see that, uh, you know, yards per attempt go up. But I thought he played pretty well. To kind of put that in perspective, Mac Jones from Alabama, 24-31, <laughs> 291 yards. You know, we're not getting our receivers matched up against walk-ons. Jaquavius Marks, nine carries, netted 32, long of 20. Will Rogers had a couple of carries, one the long of 11 that we know about. Receiving, Jaquavius Marks, your leading receiver of eight for 38. And a lot of that, too, is, you know, K.J. checking it down. One of the biggest things to me outside of the mobility that I see with Will Rogers is different between he and, and KJ Costello is that Will is not scared to throw the ball up the middle of the field. Will is not scared to get in there and move the chains. There, I mean, with KJ, one of the things that's so frustrating is with check down, check down, check down, check down, check down, and then everybody rallies to the football. And so, yeah, he's got a bunch of completions, but a lot of them are just check downs. You know, we've, in order for us to go score, we're going to have to go attack the defense. That's what Mike Leach brought in here to do, was to go attack people and expose them, make them look bad. And it feels like we've been on our heels for the last few weeks. I think Will Rogers gives us more of an edge. 
I don't think Will Rogers is a guy that's worried about NFL tape as a true freshman. And I'm not, not trying to be critical of KJ. But I don't think – I think Will is not thinking, okay, let me make the smart decision here. Will's thinking, okay, what do I got to do to go win? What do I need to do to go win? What do I need to go do to put the ball in the end zone? And I think over the course of the last few weeks, I don't think there's any question. Will has done a better job leading this team and moving this offense. Let's get into the top ten list. Brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. You guys are well aware of those guys by now. Between the NFL college ball and the, uh, you know, all kinds of sports, there's no shortage of games to watch. With thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. If you're the type of person that likes to back the big favorites, consider putting a couple of uh, favorites together in a parlay for a bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games exciting, but more important, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into a real cash windfall. Don't forget the underdogs. They have a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is there's no true underdogs. On any given Sunday, if we saw yesterday, you know, with the Bengals beating the Titans, every team truly has a chance to win, and so do you. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action, start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Sign up at my bookie, and when you do, use promo code BONEYARD to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. You deposit 500 they're going to give you 500 more of house money to play with. Pretty cool deal. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code BONEYARD to unlock that offer when you make your first deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, and all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Today's top ten list, our friend Dave Cook a while back and said, Hey, Steve, let's do Elvis. We're doing Elvis. We're doing the king today. Looking forward to this one. Spent some time researching this this morning. I remember being a kid, man. It's, it's like the, when I was a kid, Elvis was the biggest thing in the world. I mean, without a doubt. Elvis Presley was the biggest superstar, not just in the United States, but the world. And I remember being a kid, having a color TV, and that was a big thing. You know, you kids today don't understand the struggle of the black and white. We got color TV, even though that the color palette was somewhat limited, man. It, it felt like that it was revolutionary. And one of the first things I remember as a kid, it's watching uh, the Elvis special from Hawaii. And they advertised it for weeks. It was on TV Guide. That was, the TV Guide used to be a real thing. And Elvis, watching Elvis from Hawaii and him coming out and singing C.C. Ryder and these great songs and, you know, had on his great suits. And uh, it was huge. It made an impact on me. I remember thinking then, even as a kid, thinking, man, this music thing is real big. And so in honor of the king, Mississippi's favorite son, we're going to give our top ten list of uh, Elvis songs. Here are your honorable mentions. Even have a cover in this one. And, and Elvis did some cover songs and kind of made them his own. All right, so if you're one of those people, you can go ahead and say that. The, um, here are the honorable mentions all shook up. It's Now or Never, Little Sister, which is, which is a hidden classic. Fever, I love Elvis's version of Fever. A lot of people have recorded it. I love that infectious bass line. And I thought Elvis did a great job on that tune. Viva Las Vegas, it's kind of a standard. That's All Right, another underappreciated Elvis Presley standard. Burning Love, I mean, how, how could you have a list of Elvis songs and not have Burning Love on there? But didn't quite make the top 10. If I had to, to narrow that one down, probably number 11. Number 10 for me, Suspicious Minds. I know Dwight Yoakam covered this years ago. Elvis did it right. Elvis did it best. Number nine, Blue Suede Shoes. Blue suede shoes. You can't have an Elvis list without that one. 
And there's so many of this. I look at these and I say, you know what? I could talk myself into putting this one a little bit higher. I've scratched and clawed through this list. Number eight, are you lonesome tonight? Elvis was the best as a balladeer. I think we'd all agree. I think Elvis, the ballads were the high points for him, even though I, I really liked the up-tempo stuff. But I feel like that was kind of his wheelhouse, the love songs. Number seven, return to cinder. Number six, another ballad, love me tender. Love me true, never let me go. Number five, Heartbreak Hotel. And if I'm not mistaken, that's a cover song. I think that's a cover song. I'm almost positive it's a cover song. But uh, Elvis did it best. Elvis did it right. Number four, one of the greatest love songs of all time. Can't help falling in love with you. It's wonderful. And we've all felt that way at some point. Many of us, many times. But uh, I think, to me, that is the best Elvis Presley ballad. And we could get into all these Christmas songs, too, but that's the one. I didn't include uh, Daddy Don't Cry and The Ghetto and all that sort of stuff. But uh, Can't Help Falling in Love, that's the one. All right, so to me, the final three are the three quintessential Elvis Presley songs. And number three for me is actually covered several years ago by Cheap Trick. It's Don't Be Cruel to a Heart That's True. And that's to all you ladies out there. Stop putting those nice guys in the friend zone right? You're not going to date Elvis anyway. Find somebody to be good to you. Number two, it's Hound Dog. And I'm 99% positive that's a cover song. But Elvis made it a super song. You know, it, was, it became a monster hit. It's a timeless classic. Because they said you was high class. But that was just a lie. Number one for me, Jailhouse Rock. It was actually covered by Motley Crue in the Girls, Girls, Girls album. But uh, the video for Jailhouse Rock, and you can find that on YouTube, it's incredible. It's, it was so far ahead of its time. Elvis made going to jail cool, right? <laughs> it's like, that was the thing about his movies. You know, like, uh, you know, he wasn't a great actor, but man, he was so good in those musicals. I mean, like, you just put him in these musical numbers. And... Um, he was so talented and had such charisma, he could sell it. So that's my Elvis list. I am confident that this is going to generate a lot of conversation because I even had probably a dozen or so people tell me how I blew the Barry Manilow list. I didn't know you guys were so passionate about the weekend in New England. I had at least five people said, how can there be a top 10 Barry Manilow list without weekend in New England? Well, there was one, and that was mine. You can have your own list, but it would be wrong. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'll give you guys some grace on this Elvis thing because, listen, what, do you have, what did Elvis – I mean, how many number one hits did Elvis have? I mean, we can't, even, we can't even do a top 30 of the number one hits because Elvis was the thing. It was incredible. So that's my list. If uh, you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out let me know. I've probably got about, oh, I don't know, a dozen or so written down. But uh, you may give me something that I like better than what I've got. And uh, we'll get to some cool stuff later in the week. But I uh, wanted to do Elvis. Got a lot of people requesting that after I did the Mississippi list, right? You know, most influential musicians from Mississippi. And, again, there's so many people that message me about how can you do a list of Mississippians and not include my neighbor's kid that played in a basement show in the 1950s at the Catholic Church in Vicksburg. Uh, and they opened for a band that at some point played in the same venue as Elvis Presley. I mean, I got, I got a lot of that. I got a lot of that stuff. And if, if, if I don't want these people that are 20 degrees away from greatness. Not when we have so many legends that are from the state of Mississippi. But our favorite son, Elvis Presley, that's the top ten list. 
All right, let's uh, take a quick look around the league here. And uh, Campus Bookmart's going to pay for that. How about that? I was at Campus Bookmart yesterday. A dear friend, dear friend Pam Menyard uh, reached out to me, and uh, we had a little bit of a scheduling thing yesterday. And I don't know where the mistake went wrong, but uh, I was down to be at Bookmart Cafe, and then they they changed it, and nobody didn't communicate it to me. So a couple people went down there looking for me, and so they met me at Campus Bookmart. A couple of them didn't, so I apologize for that. But uh, Miss Pam reached out; she happened to have my number. And said, hey, i got to get some books. Will you come by? And so I did. And uh, always good to see her. Always good to see Miss Pam. And uh, listen, you can get all kind of cool stuff down there. I keep talking. I almost bought that blanket yesterday. I think I'm just going to go down and get it this week. Um, there's a, like a Jolly Roger blanket. And it, it's, it's calling my name. And I'm not even a person that covers up. I just think I might even just put it on like somewhere in my office. Because I think it's a really cool piece. But they got a lot of cool stuff down there. And listen, ladies... You know, everybody in your family, every Bulldog in your family wants Mississippi State gear, even though we're not having a great football season. You know, we, we win that Egg Bowl. You're going to wish you had some fresh maroon threads to wear, and you can get those at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, you can use a phrase that saves a little cash. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's take a quick look around the league. All right, we, uh, we had Georgia-Kentucky, and that ended up being a tighter game than I think we expected. I expected an ugly game, but I thought Georgia would be able to out-athlete Kentucky in the second half. Give Kentucky credit for hanging in there, but again, Kentucky cannot score. You know, they couldn't score without our help either. We went up there. You know, we, again, I tell you, we gave the game away. Be that as it may, Georgia wins the ball game 14-3 and gets out of there relatively healthy from what I understand. Really kind of a pedestrian day. Uh, Joey Gatewood, the leading passer for Kentucky with just 91 yards. They cannot score at Kentucky without your help. To me, the biggest shock of the weekend, Auburn blasts LSU 48-11. to I really thought LSU behind T.J. Finley would figure some things out, especially with Auburn being young on defense. Bo Nix throws for 300 yards, and even was the leading rusher with 81 yards for Auburn. I don't think anybody expected that to happen. They absolutely destroyed LSU. Now, the first Auburn touchdown set up by defensive play, and then you get a defensive touchdown, and all of a sudden it's 14-3. Then Auburn's able to get a score right before the half, and it really felt like the game was over at that point. I mean, to me, the way that T.J. Finley was scrambling around out there, and there were so many people last week that were saying the Miles Brennan era is over in Baton Rouge. It's going to be the T.J. Finley show. I think they're rethinking that thought today. Ole Miss did a great job getting out early on Vanderbilt. They get up early 21-0 in the first quarter. Uh, Vandy battles back a little bit there in the second quarter to make it somewhat interesting. But let's be honest, that game was over at the half, 33-24, and then Ole Miss comes out in the third quarter. And listen, they do what good teams do, and they're, even though they're not a good team, they, they went out there and put the game away and put up 21 points. And it, for all intents and purposes, at 54-14, Ole Miss called the dogs off. Ole Miss could have done score wherever they wanted to. Give them credit. Matt Corral with a huge day, 412 yards. Elijah Moore, 238 yards receiving. Uh, when they get Moore going and using the middle of the field, and they get him paired up in matchups that are advantageous, they're going to make you pay, and they did Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, very offensively challenged. Didn't do much at all. 172 yards passing, leading rusher. Pardon me. Uh, Kenny Seals, super 319 yards, leading rusher. Henry Books had uh, 66 yards. 
even against that awful defensive Ole Miss. That's what I think about this weekend. You know, when we play them, they're going to have a tough time scoring without our help. So if we can avoid throwing pick sixes or giving them the short end of the field, we have an opportunity to do some things. And it's a shame that we have to think those, those terms that we're sweating out playing a winless Vanderbilt team, but we are. That's the position we're in. Arkansas, Texas A&M, and, and listen, and an entertaining game here, but let's be honest, after three quarters, this game is over. It's over. It's 42-17 after three. Arkansas scores a couple of garbage touchdowns to make it look a little bit better. But give Arkansas credit. They're a much better team than they have been. And then Florida, Mizzou, I don't know if you saw this, they had a the little bit of the fisticuffs there uh, in Gainesville where uh, the last play of the half, Kyle Trask is hit late, and he was hit late. I didn't think it deserved everything that it got. But with all the talk from the league about protecting quarterbacks, you probably should have seen a flag there. But I didn't think it was especially egregious. I do think it should have drawn a flag. I thought Florida went overboard. Uh, Dan Mullen was fine today for basically uh, inciting things. And goes in the locker room, comes back out, fires the crowd up. And listen, that's Dan. I mean, you know, Dan's an emotional guy. There's no doubt about it. But he fires the crowd up. But let's be honest. Dan's talking to his team there. That's what Dan's doing. Dan's firing up his team. They had kind of gone through the motions. You know, it's it's 20 to 7 at the half, but there was a one point they trailed 7-6. So Dan's talking to his team and I'm sure he's like, "You know what? We'll pay the fine." Uh, I don't fault the league for for finding him for that. I don't think anybody yeah, you say, "Well, you know, it's a little bit overboard." You know, there's got to be a code of conduct for coaches. I mean, there really does. And I don't just say that because he's our former guy. I, I, I think if that happens and he explains himself and it's a little bit demonstrative, it's okay. But when you, when you basically have to be restrained for going after an official, you're going to get in trouble. And you don't need anybody to explain that to you. Then you get to the locker room and you come back out, you're going to get in trouble. And so it's not – I really think what probably got him in trouble was the going after the official. And the officiating in this conference is, is hit or miss. But that, that doesn't give you license to be able to go out there and basically, uh, you know, essentially kind of threaten violence. I mean, that, that's kind of how it looked. I mean, the fact that he had to be restrained uh, is not a good look. Absolutely not a good look. So th- th- those are your winners. Florida, A&M, Alabama, Ole Miss – Auburn and Georgia and really the only surprise there was not the fact that Auburn won is that Auburn absolutely embarrassed OSU and you begin to start thinking and I've had some people on the message board ask is uh, Ed Orsron going to be Gene Chizik you know is he a year away we said last year Ed Orsron kind of learned to be a CEO and kind of stay out of the way and he had some great coordinators Uh, they won a national championship it was a perfect storm they're going to struggle to have a winning team this year It'll be interesting to see what happens when Miles Brennan gets healthy. It'll be interesting to see. When you start looking, I mean, you begin to think about this LSU schedule. Uh, they still got some games on here that they're not going to win. You know, they're, they're two and three and probably, you know, fighting to, to get to 500, I would suspect here. But let's kind of run this thing down here. I don't know if you guys have paid attention. You know, Alabama, pardon me, LSU has a bye week this week. And then they host Alabama. And you may have forgotten that Ed Orsron had some things to say in the locker room 
kind of mocking Alabama. And if you don't think Nick Saban remembers that, you wait till they go down there and play LSU in Death Valley. I think Alabama, you know, Nick is not one that runs the score up, but I think if they get a chance to, I think, I think Alabama takes a hatchet to LSU down there. And then LSU goes to Arkansas, and all of a sudden that looks like a really slippery game. Arkansas is going to play hard. I don't know if they've got the athletes, but that, the fact that you got to go on the road, and it seems like every time LSU goes to Arkansas, it's always kind of a gray and dreary game. The next week, they got to go to A&M. And A&M's playing for some big things. I mean, A&M's going to be kind of boxed out of the playoffs and boxed out of the SEC championship. But A&M and Jimbo, hey, they can get after you. And then they they host Ole Miss, and offensively you see that Ole Miss is – they're kind of up and down. But let's be honest. I mean, you know, LSU should win the ballgame, but I don't think that's a sure thing by any stretch of imagination. And then LSU goes to the swamp. LSU could lose out. They could. I don't think they're going to. But I would say right now, if I had to call it, you're probably looking at two and three on the on the back half at a minimum. You're going to lose to Bama. You're going to lose to Florida. Probably going to lose at A&M. You know, maybe you can get Arkansas. Maybe you get Ole Miss. LSU's staring a losing season right in the face. It's crazy to think about. But that's the league. And, uh, again, not not a big surprise, but, uh, you know, LSU looks to be really, really, really drifting right now. I'm surprised Bo Pelini survived the afternoon on Saturday. I mean, it's – there's no way that works. <laughs> there's just no way that works. So, uh, listen, let me remind you guys, too, if you're looking to move to Starkville, if you're considering an investment property, or even – maybe you're just ready for something new – let me, let me bring you up to speed on Portico. Okay, so Portico is a great brand new residential housing complex right here in Starkville. Right off Garrett Road behind Hilton Garden End and the Chrysler Jeep dealership just over a mile from campus. Easy access to 25 and 82. There's going to be 51 houses total in this development. 18 of them are already approaching move-in condition. It's a good chance you could spend Christmas in a new home. If you take advantage of these opportunities, can be 33 houses in the second phase. That'll begin after the turn of the year. They've got every house for every size family. Houses range from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, from two bedroom, two bath, up to four bedroom, four bath. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. So if you want to get out and get some exercise or, you know, do a little cooking out there, you can. One of the developers of this project is Brooks Bryan. You guys know Brooks. Brooks is your friend. Brooks is my friend. Brooks was uh, the diamond dog friend that uh, saved the day against University of Washington that sent us to Omaha. So I believe any chance that you get to do business with uh, Bulldogs, you need to do that. And this is a Bulldog that's certainly happy to work with you. Brooks Bryan, phone number 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. And you know what? If you ask nicely, he'll even take you through the day that he robbed a home run. One of the greatest defensive plays ever at Duty Noble Field. Brooks Bryan. Very, very intimately involved with Portico. And again, if you're considering moving to Starkville or just moving within the city of Starkville or perhaps having, you know, kind of your game day retreat, Portico's the way to go. All right, it's going to be a busy week for me. And so I'm going to give you some programming notes now. So I'm going to record Wednesday's show Tuesday night. 
So if you're one of these night owls or you work the night shift, you'll probably be able to listen to the Boneyard uh, early, early Wednesday morning because I'm going to record that Tuesday night because Wednesday I'm going to be making my way to Mistletoe Marketplace. And so don't know how soon I get that show up, but uh, if it pops up early, you'll know why. Because i got to be on the road. So I'll be there Wednesday evening for the uh, opening of Mistletoe Marketplace in Jackson there at the Trademark. Be there for the gala event. That's not really my cup of tea, but I'm going anyway. And then uh, I'll be there all day Thursday, all day Friday. And so my plan is to record the Boneyard Thursday night. So if Wednesday show is not early, I'll guarantee you Friday show will be early. And so, so Mistletoe Marketplace in Jackson, Wednesday evening, all day Thursday, all day Friday. And I'm there the whole day. Okay, I'm there with Campus Bookmark trying to do what we can to help some of our favorite vendors, you know, kind of have a good fourth quarter and kind of capture uh, some revenue. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, our local vendors took a real beating, as did many people around the country. I'm not trying to say that Starville is somewhat unique, but this is where I live. And so going to go spend some time with them. And uh, listen, I spent a day and a half with them last year, and we sold like 200 books. And so I suspect it will beat that this year, but I'm going, and again, I'll be there. So for those of you guys that are interested in the books, and for those of you ladies who are looking to read them yourselves, or perhaps buy gifts for other people, you can come meet me and get signed personalized copies at the Campus Bookmark booth there at Mistletoe Marketplace in Jackson. Again, I'll be there Wednesday evening, all day Thursday, all day Friday, and then come home Friday night. Get up Saturday morning, and I will be at Campus Bookmart here in Starkville and signing books there. And then I'll go cover the ball game. And then Sunday, I'll be downtown at Bookmart and Cafe uh, here in Starkville for the uh, you know the, the the brunch and browse deal they have going on there. So that's the plan. It's going to be a very 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 busy week. The book is doing exceptionally well, and I want to thank you all for that. I've had people contact me. Where do I order it online? Very, very simple. You go to alphadogsthebook.com, and that's D-A-W-G-S, alphadogsthebook.com. You can get Flim Flam there. You get Stark Villains there. You get Alpha Dogs there, and uh, you get them personalized. That's one thing people say, you know what, Steve, I really want to get a personalized book, but you're not going to have a book signing in my neck of the woods anytime soon. Well, that's how you get it done. So uh, it's always a big thrill when we get a chance to visit, but even if we can't, you can still get some the Bulldogs on your Christmas list that you love. You can get them personalized copies. And let me encourage you to go ahead and get that out of the way because as we get into December, it's going to be very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. We're already having to think about a second printing. The, the publisher's already kind of doing the math on this, thinking, okay, how many copies of the first edition do we have left? How quickly can we turn this thing around? We want to make sure we got some big things coming. And uh, as you guys know, I'll have some things to share with you in a couple weeks about Flim Flam. It's pretty exciting. And uh, probably the uh, week before Thanksgiving. I'll ha- Hopefully, things go as well. I'll have some information to share with you about that. You guys have been buying some shirts, too. And thank you. Go to StarkVillains.com, and you can get Stark Villain shirts. And if you live in the, in the area, you can get them in your school colors. How cool is that? Go to StarkVillains.com. Every, I, can, I can promise you this. All teenagers love hoodies. They all do. I got one in my house that uh, he wears hoodies in the summertime. I mean, it just, it's, it's part of his look. And you can get Stark Villains hoodies, T-shirts, everything at StarkVillains.com. And uh, look, listen, thank you guys so much for uh, your support of the Boneyard all these many years. We got the books. We got the shirts. We got the website, jeanspage.com. If you're not a member, you certainly should be. 
And listen, it gets so easy to get negative when things aren't what we wanted to be. You know, we, we didn't have high hopes for the season, but we thought it would be entertaining. And we're not getting the offensive production that we hoped. But this is a short deal, okay? This is – we're going to be better for this in the long haul. When you begin to look at the long-term development of the program, we're going to look back at this a couple of years and say, you know what, there were some lane times, but you know what, it's worth it now. I believe that. I, I don't believe – enough people, oh, Steve, we've got to make a decision. Let me go ahead and make sure you guys know this. Mike Leach isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Okay, it's, it's not going to happen. And I don't know that anybody's going to get fired this year, and certainly not Mike Leach. Not five games into a deal we've signed a four-year deal, five, years, five million dollars a year. Uh, that ain't fixing to happen. But, you know, when you look around the economics of college athletics right now, I don't know that anybody could afford to buy anybody out. And I think the guy that was the hottest of the hot seat in the SEC was Will Muschamp, and you know, he might have already done enough to save his job. He's already won a couple of games, probably going to win a couple more. Got Mike Bobo in as an offensive coordinator. They appear to be kind of moving things along. And so we'll kind of see what happens as, as, uh, as things progress. But uh, I don't think we're going to have this big coaching carousel craziness that we normally have just because of the economics of college athletics right now. I don't know that anybody could really afford to do that, which makes all these, you know, the fine for Dan Mullen and the fine for uh, Lane Kiffin, and, and there were some others that were fined for not wearing their mask. I think Jimbo Fisher was one. You know, that's just putting an undue financial burden on the athletic department, you know, to have to do all that sort of stuff. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense with the, with pe- with the athletic departments around the country having to lay people off and then coaches incurring fines for behavior that is, you know, really kind of beneath their, their station in life. It's almost to the point of being a little bit disrespectful. So that's my take on it. Hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Be back on Wednesday. We'll begin to take a, a long look at Vanderbilt, kind of prepare ourselves for Vanderbilt and a game that Mississippi State absolutely has to win. Absolutely has to win. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I'll go ahead on record now and tell you, I believe Will Rogers is going to start. I also believe Mississippi State's going to win this football game. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.